The debut, the premiere of WTF. We'll explain it a little bit later on, but it's coming up before the top of the clock. This is Toronto Today. Gareth Wheeler with you at Wheeler TSN on Twitter. Our team here at TSN does some outstanding work. The TSN original series is something that a lot of people within this building are rightfully very proud of. Digging deep, it's the storytelling aspect. And the way that these stories come together, you watch them on SportsCenter, you watch them online on tsn.ca, it's nothing short of breathtaking. Rick Westhead is a big part of that, our TSN senior correspondent. And his latest TSN original, The First Family, uh, will be able to be seen Wednesday on the 6 p.m. edition of SportsCenter. It surrounds the Guriel family, the first family of Cuban baseball who went from being basically royalty in the country to a, be being, being seen through a much different lens today as Yuli Goriel, you saw him with the Houston Astros last weekend against the Toronto Blue Jays, um, defected along with Lourdes Goriel Jr., a Toronto Blue Jays prospect. So we're going to bring Rick in at our Westhead on Twitter and ask him about this future and what drew him to the story. And let's start right there. Hey, Rick, how are you doing today? Hey, I'm doing great, Gareth. Um, what drew you to this story? Why is this one? Because you come across a lot of interesting pieces, Rick. But why was this something that stuck with you? Well, it's interesting. The, the, the story actually started but when the family was promising not to defect. And so I thought it was really interesting to profile a family that had so much baseball pedigree. I mean, Lourdes Sr. was a star player for Cuba in the 1980s. He helped Cuba win a gold medal in the Olympics in 1992. Um, you know, when I was walking down the street in Havana with him, it was like walking through the streets of downtown Montreal with John Beliveau. Uh, he could not walk a city block without people coming up and asking for his autograph and shaking his hands and just wanting to be around him. And so I was really curious about that sense of loyalty that the family had for the Cuban uh, government, for Fidel Castro's government, and where it came from. Of course, Yulieski and uh, Lourdes, as you just mentioned, both really good ball players. A third son, Unies, he also played in Cuba's top baseball league. So uh, we went down there. We, you know, we we built a relationship with the family, and then next thing you know, the two brothers defect, and it just really, again, wanted we we wanted to have a, an understanding for at uh, that point for how things change so fast, how you could go from having a family that was so you know, so loyal for so many years, and what changed? What was the spark that caused them to uh, to, to walk away from Cuba and, and, and go for the millions of dollars that both of those two sons are now making uh, in Major League Baseball? Yeah, I guess it's the good old story of loyalty versus, you know, change for financial gain. Is it as simple as that, Rick? I know the story is going to be uh, told and unveiled through the TSN original, but, I mean, is that what it comes down to, the temptation of riches in something else in a different country? Uh, I think that the money obviously plays into this in a huge way. Uh, Cuba's got a really interesting perspective, uh, the, the government, I mean. They, they really do leverage that sense of loyalty with players uh, as, as they're coming up through their system. And, you know, the, this, the message that they send to players is, if you go, you won't be welcome back. So consider that. You, you might have more money. You might live in some of the biggest and, you know, most expensive 
poshest cities in North America, but you won't see your family again. And all those things that are so familiar about Cuba that make it home, you'll have to say goodbye to them. And, uh, you know, for instance, I, I'm, we did an interview with the Cuban Baseball Federation president, and we, we asked him, you know, what about the idea of we, we seem to have come forward a little bit, uh, and we get into this in the story, the back and forth in terms of the warming and chilling relationship between the United States and Cuba. Right. And we, we were asking, could you envision a time when players like Puig or Chapman will be on the Cuban national team again? How amazing would that be? And he turned around. We had a, a three-person crew from Canada, and he pointed to our cameraman, and he said, well, let me ask you a question. If you guys were on a shoot, you come down to Cuba, you spend the money, the time and the energy to come down here and film down here, how would you feel if midway through your shoot, your cameraman said he was quitting and going to join another TV network that day uh, and leaving you in the lurch? And he said that's the attitude that the Cuban Baseball Federation has towards these players. They often leave during um, international tournaments. And uh, the Federation's argument is they, they, they leave their teammates in the lurch. And so for that reason, they aren't welcome to go back and, uh, and play for the national team anymore. Uh, you know, it, it, the other thing that's really interesting about this is just the method of defecting. It's not like players who want to leave and defect hop on a flight and go from Havana to New York. This is a real perilous journey. They uh, often will get in a dinghy and either try to make their way straight to Florida or go through human smugglers and go through Mexican, Mexico or, or Haiti, trying to get the Dominican Republic and be declared a resident there and able to sign as a, as a free agent. Uh, and we've got some pretty interesting historical anecdotes to draw on, too. The, there's been a case in Miami, Florida, where an agent, Bart Hernandez, uh, faced human smuggling charges for this very thing. So the, the the flight from Cuba is a dangerous one, and though there might be a lot of riches at the end, uh, getting them and making it to MLB is, is, is no easy task. Rick Westhead joining us here on Toronto Today. I'm Wheels. His TSN original, The First Family, airs tomorrow on the 6 p.m. edition of SportsCenter. Um, it looked like Cuban, and, and you kind of touched on this, Cuban-American relationships were going in a positive direction under Obama. It doesn't look like that will continue under the presidency of Donald Trump. So I wonder what that means for the potential future of this story where there may have been an olive branch that could have been kind of extended on both sides of the equation to kind of ease some of the tension between the betrayal that many Cubans feel uh, in a situation like this. But, but, but that might not end up playing out after all, Rick. No, that's right. Whatever olive branch had been extended... Uh, by the Obama government has been burned uh, to cinders by the Trump administration. And, you know, just just the little things. One, It's a real privilege to be able to go down as a journalist and, and do digging around and talking to players. We spoke to a bunch of players who were not just in Cuba's you know, top league, but also guys who are aspiring to get there. We went to some little league games and watched 10 and 11 year old Cuban players uh, playing in tournaments. And I'll just, I'll just share a quick anecdote. One of the really interesting things is after a player defects, they literally disappear. Um, you can watch Major League Baseball games in Cuba. You just can't watch any of the teams who have players starring for them who've defected. So no LA Dodgers games because Puig is starring there. No Houston Astro games will be on the air in Cuba because of Yulievsky Guriel. So the way that families and baseball fans, uh, fans deal with this 
is every week they'll take a USB stick and they'll go into their corner store in whatever community they live in and they'll be able to buy, uh, you know, MPEG files, video files of all the Major League Baseball games for the previous week, all of them for every team. So that's how fans, even though the government takes a hard line and doesn't put any MLB games on TV if they have defectors, the fans have found a way to get around that using modern technology. Let's be honest here. Like making a move like the Gurriels did, it doesn't come without risk. Yes, there's financial gain to be had, but like you said, Rick, like they left a life where their name, their family, family was Cuban royalty. So th- there has to be some sort of risk, not only going through the sketchiness of how to defect, how to get out of Cuba, but what they ended up giving up to try to create a, a better or a different life. Yeah, and the risk was paramount. I mean, we, we get into, uh, in the story, the family's reaction. Lourdes Gurriel Sr. had no idea that his sons were going to, going to defect. Really? And he did not react well to it when they did. So we kind of cover off that topic and try to help people understand what the consequences were within the family. It didn't just, you know, obviously it shook the whole country. It was international news when they defected. It also shook and, you know, reverberated within the Guriel family as, as established as they are in, in Cuba. So, you know, there were, were, were clear risks, not just from a safety perspective, but also risks for what it would do to a family. Um, Yulieski was a good enough player that he was able to play over in Japan for a few years. The government, you know, as a reward for so many uh, years of, of, of good performance on the field in Cuba, allowed him to go abroad. Uh, that relationship obviously uh blew up when when he defected and uh and they really have gone from being national heroes to national traitors almost overnight. So let's end on this did you do you end up catching up with Lourdes to see how his transitions being like I haven't really been following him if I'm going to be honest but where is he now like how is the adjustment being and is it is it worth you know defecting and and, and breaking violating family trust and and betraying a country I mean I I'm I'm intrigued to hear about where he is today Well he's uh he's in Dunedin uh you know playing a level ball he's dealt with some injuries through the first half of the season of course in January he signed a 7 year 22 million dollar contract with the Blue Jays and the the fact that he signed with the Blue Jays actually made it a story that, that we could pursue a little easier. It was in a little easier sell to say we want to really showcase and help Blue Jays fans understand, you know, who this guy is and who his family is and, and what the backstory is. Um, he's got some pretty ambitious goals in terms of when he hopes to be in MLB. Uh, maybe not as ambitious as Vladimir Guerrero Jr., who, you know, when we did a feature on him, told us he hoped to be in the majors as a teenager. Uh, but uh, nevertheless, I, I, I think I think injuries really did slow down Guriel Jr. Uh, for the first half. So we'll just watch and see how he uh, performs in the second half here. Congrats on this endeavor. Looking forward to watching it tomorrow night. The first family, the 6 p.m. edition of SportsCenter. Rick, always a pleasure. Thanks for this. Okay, thanks, man. TSN senior correspondent. Great guy, too, by the way. Rick Westhead joining us here on Toronto Today at R Westhead on Twitter.